podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference and part of the 10-12 Network, the podcast network for Big 12 fans. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. We have a fantastic show for you today. I've got two great guests joining me. Coach Michael Woodson, the head coach of the Baylor Men's Tennis Program, is going to come on. We're going to talk about just how strong the Big 12 is in men's tennis. It's pretty dang strong, folks. It's pretty dang strong. Also, as I ask every coach when they come on the show, their thoughts on Oklahoma and Texas leaving and the new teams coming in and how they're going to affect his sport. Then, Sarah Stanley. That name doesn't ring a bell to you. You know her work very well. She runs social media for the Big 12 Conference. She's going to join us. It's a fantastic interview. A lot of behind the scenes about how things work for the Big 12. The work that she does running the accounts on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to promote the Big 12 Conference. It's a fantastic episode. I love this one. I think I have two great guests. They're fantastic interviews. I really think if you're a Big 12 fan, you're going to enjoy hearing what they both have to say. Before we get to our guests, couple of things. Have you have you seen the tweet and the graphics and the stuff going on? ESPN's been pushing this. Shouts to ESPN for this. Remaining strength of schedule for the men's basketball teams. Top nine. Remaining strength of schedule. Top nine remaining strength of schedule in men's NCAA basketball for the duration of the season. I'm gonna I want you to tell me what these teams have in common. Texas, Kansas, TCU, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. That's one through nine. Top nine remaining strength of schedule. Toughest remaining strength of schedule left this season on the men's side. What do those nine teams have in common? Oh, they all play in the Big 12. Because this conference is ridiculous. Because it took overtime for Iowa State to beat Oklahoma State on Wednesday night and get their first road win since 2019. This conference is the best top to bottom. It should get eight teams in the NCAA tournament. It should get eight. We'll see what happens because obviously teams like West Virginia are going to have to start winning some games, right? TCU is going to have to bounce back from a absolute beatdown by Texas when they had like a record crowd there in Fort Worth to watch the game. If the teams at the bottom of the conference can keep winning, they can get eight teams in. Uh, eight teams should. If you ask me today how many teams will actually get in, I'd probably lean towards seven just because this conference is crazy. But eight teams are good enough to get to the NCAA tournament this year and win a game. That's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, one other piece of news, the Big Ten, Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta told Scott Docterman of The Athletic that there are serious discussions happening about both the Big Ten ending divisional play and dropping down to eight conference games starting in 2023. That way they can schedule non-conference games against the Pac-12 and the ACC. Because remember, the, uh, the Alliance. That's a conversation they're having. Forget whether it's a good idea or not. The scheduling with the Pac-12 and the ACC, I don't understand why they would really do it. It doesn't make any actual sense. And it would be hilarious if the Big Ten goes to eight conference games while the SEC bumps up to like nine or ten. For the Big 12, I've said this on this pod, you know how I feel about divisions. They are dumb. Let's not do them. We don't need two seven-team divisions when everybody's here or two six-team divisions. Look at every conference that has divisions. The ACC, it's lopsided. The SEC, it's lopsided. The Big Ten is lopsided. It will be lopsided again. It's just what happens. You can say, well, but you know, it's going to end up lopsided. It just is. It always does. Don't do that. Keep putting the two best teams in the conference championship game, not the two teams who win their division. Because what happens if it is like the Big 12 used to be when it was the North and the South, and the South was better on a regular basis? Don't do it. Plus, with with West Virginia and UCF, they should be in the same division. So you're going to have four Texas team, West Virginia, and UCF in the South? That's weird. That's weird. 
I was watching anyone to play Florida, but don't you think they should be playing Cincinnati and Iowa State? You know, two teams that are a little bit closer to them than Texas Tech on a regular basis? I'll keep hammering this point over and over and over again until I am blue in the face. Pick three rivals, three teams you play every year home and home, and then just rotate through the rest of them. You can still have a nine-game schedule or eight-game schedule, whatever gets you more TV money. That's fine. You figure that out. But just pick three teams you want to play every year and then rotate through everyone else. It's that simple. It's not hard. You can plan that schedule out years in advance. It's not complicated. The NCAA's constitution is being rewritten. You can do whatever you want. Don't do divisions. Don't do divisions. Don't go backwards, okay? Don't do that. I know the Big 12. Look, I love the Big 12. I do. I will defend it to my dying breath, okay? But that doesn't mean I'm not going to call it out when it's making a mistake. And the Big 12 is far from a proactive conference. It's a bit reactive. And so going to divisions isn't shocking, but please let's not. Let's just not. Let's just not. You know what you should do? Go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out the brand new Cincinnati shirts as part of Big New Saturday Season 3 Week 1 and get you one in honor of Cincinnati eventually joining the Big 12. You can also pick up shirts for Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State, Cincinnati now. Houston, UCF, and BYU, among more than 100 other schools that are available with the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere. I mean, guys, this stuff is awesome. Folks, it is so good. It is so good. Big News Saturday Season 3 continues. Week 2, Gonzaga. Maybe you're a Gonzaga fan. If you're not going to sign up for the Big News Saturday deal where you get... Every shirt for like 30-something percent off for their subscription. If you just want to go and buy some, don't forget the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, for 15% off your first order. If you haven't bought from them yet, what are you waiting on? Go. If you're waiting on your school, I understand. We know TCU is probably coming sometime this year. I am led to believe there is a, another Big 12 school that will be coming sometime soon. You want to wait till your school's on there? Not a problem. Just remember NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. Don't forget, every 1012 Network podcast has Homefield as a sponsor. So if you have a favorite show and you want to support that show, go listen and use their promo code. That's fine with me. Okay? That's okay with me. I promise. I would be happy to hear that you used Feels Like 45s or Fire the Cannons or Tortillas and Takes Podcasts promo code. Okay? But use a 1012 Network promo code. Ours is Network12. N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this college basketball season, college tennis season, college baseball season, college softball season. All right, like I said, two great interviews. They're coming right up. Do us a favor. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Five stars, please. I have not gotten a new review since October. I could use a new one. It's almost February. I would like to read one here on the show. So if someone could give me a nice five-star rating and a really good review on iTunes, I would appreciate it. You can also leave us five-star ratings on Spotify and Good Pods. We would appreciate it. We really would. It really does help the show. And it's an easy way to say, you know what? I like listening to the show. I listen to it all the time. I just want to support them. I'm going to just take a second here and leave a rating. Maybe type out a short review. I would appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter, 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. Follow us on Instagram at 1012pod. Okay? Check out every show in the network. Just go to 1012network, T-E-N, number 12, word network, dot com, and you will find all the shows. The Iowa State show link is not on there. We'll get it added soon. Yes, if you missed the news before, we are adding an Iowa State show. The Cyclone Family Podcast, hosted by the fantastic Jamie Steyer. Teaser's up. Go find the show. Subscribe. Okay? Check out the teaser. She should have the first episode up soon. Very excited for it. 1012network.com. Check out every show. Leave everyone on rating and review really is helpful. We appreciate it. Two great interviews. Let's get to it. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? 
I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. I know we are deep into men's and women's basketball. College baseball will be here before you know it. Softball will be as well. But men's and women's tennis are underway. Big 12, strong as always. According to ITA, three teams in the top 10, four in the top 25, and that team that's coming in UCF is pretty good as well, so that's a good thing. Uh, so we need to talk a little bit of tennis. I enjoy covering the other sports, and and who better to bring on than the uh, the second-year head coach, reigning Big 12 champ, and reigning national champ runner-up. Very excited to have Michael Woodson, head coach of the Baylor men's tennis team. Uh, Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a, a pleasure to talk about our sport and our, our great conference. Absolutely. Well, let's start there. I mean, as I mentioned, three teams, the top 10, you guys were national runners up this past season. Texas won it just a couple of seasons ago. We've seen Oklahoma finish his runner up um, not too far in the past. I think three straight years, which ouch, uh, very Buffalo Bills of them. Uh, I mean, looking at this conference as it stands right now, just just how how do you stack up the Big 12 versus the rest of the conferences in the country? Yeah, we had this conversation earlier today, actually. I, I mean, to me, it's the strongest conference in the country. It's it's a little unique in that there's only six uh, men's tennis teams in the Big 12, but there's no one is is a, a weak team. Uh, there's there's nowhere you can turn to get an easy match. And I really like that about the conference. Uh, every match is really difficult. It really challenges, you know, our team. And I think, you know, it really builds up the brand of the Big 12. And, and it, you know, it, it helps recruiting, I think, for all of us. Um, you know, there's some other conferences that have, you know, three, four good teams, but they also have three, four teams that are, are typically not NCAA tournament teams or, you know, uh, definitely not top 25 programs. So it, it, it gives us a lot of flexibility to have the strongest um, schedules in the conference because we play them. A lot of us play each other multiple times. I mean, we played Texas and TCU four times each last year, and we don't have to have a lot of fluff. Uh, that's mandatory in the in within the conference schedule. So I think it really allows us some flexibility to go out there and have a schedule that's unrivaled. I mean, yeah, you got six teams, four in the top twenty-five, uh, according to ITA. Texas Tech was receiving votes. So that's five of your six teams. That's I mean, it. Sounds very much like men's basketball. It's just it's a deep conference, top to bottom, and you don't get to go into to any any match at any place and say, okay, this is a we could just go ahead and and be here and, and escape with a victory. Like it's going to be a struggle every single uh, every single weekend. It really is. I mean, and that that's what we love so much about it for our players is these are the matches that our guys want to play in. They want to go into hostile environments and, and have to test themselves, difficult playing conditions. I mean, going to Lubbock, it, our sports probably affected more than any other um, besides maybe baseball with the, the altitude um, and, and just the way the game is played. And that's a very difficult place to play and, and not to mention the crowds and, uh, and then getting all these teams at home every year is, is awesome as well. So I, I would say it definitely prepares us for, you know, the, the big 12 conference tournament and then NCAAs each year. So I know you were technically the interim coach for the, the, the 2021 season. Then this past season was your first official season as head coach. And I know you've been with the program for six years. So you've been around Baylor for a little while. But, I mean, first official season as head coach, most wins in school history, take them all the way, one win away from, from a national championship. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's a, lot, a lot more than I think most people would expect from a first-year head coach. I mean, how did, how did last season kind of set expectations for this year and for this program moving forward? Well, I have to give a lot of credit to, to the staff and the players. I mean, they, they lifted me up every day and, and helped me, you know, through the process. 
process of, of shifting into, into this role. Um, you know, we had an experienced group, we had a very talented group of players and, and we had a staff that was able to provide these young men consistency. And, you know, it starts all the way at the top with the administration. We have the resources, the facilities, the, you know, the, the opportunity to be able to, to serve these young men. And, and all of our student athletes, you know, uh, the best possible. And I think that's why you see so much success across Baylor athletics uh, in all sports. But, you know, I, I think we our, our goal here is to, to prepare champions for life. It's to pursue excellence in everything that we do. And so, you know, I know I know we had a very successful season. It was a very special journey, but I think that's, you know, what we've, what we will come to expect year in and year out. And, um, you know, I, de I definitely set a high bar, but, but something that we really are proud of and, and we want to continue. Um, and the, and the young men that we recruit want to continue to, to have that kind of success. That's why they come here and we want to make sure that we deliver, uh, they push us each and every day to, to continue to improve and, and strive to be better. You returned three All-Americans from last season, Adrian Boyton, Sven Law, and Matias Soto. And I mean, obviously all three are exceptional athletes for you guys. I, I hate saying that, you know, positive takeaways from, from COVID, but you do have two of these guys coming back because of the COVID year that they were granted. I mean, how, how much did you help with their decision-making in that, in that situation? And, and just how big is it to be able to have those guys back for one extra year for you guys? Oh, I think it's huge. Um, you know, the, those guys are our captains, they're our leaders, they're our, you know, a couple of our, our best players, you know, they're going to go down in the, in Baylor's history books as two of the best to ever play here. Um, you know, and to have them want to come back to feel like, you know, they have professional aspirations. They're very good players. They could go out and have success on the tour right now. And for them to choose to, to spend that extra year of eligibility here shows that we're, we're on the right track um, as a university, as an athletic department. And, you know, just developmentally with our staff, that our guys are continuing to get better. They feel value in being here and they want to be a part of the program. And honestly, that's not something that that some kids are choosing to do. There, there's some really good players that are, are not coming back. And, you know, our guys, the, both of those guys could have graduated, you know, started, uh, you know, one of them's delayed graduation. One of them has, you know, has started and is completing a master's program, um, you know, all, all by May. And uh, I think that just really reinforces that we're on the right track with these young men. And uh, I mean, it means a lot. We've been through a ton, you know, over the time. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with them for the past five years. And I, I owe them a lot. And, you know, certainly a debt of gratitude. They've, they've, carried, they've carried me a long ways. Um, and so to have that experience, to have their perspective and, um, and their gifts and talents and leadership uh, are certainly going to help us this year. You guys had a pretty tough start to the season. Uh, first three matchups against uh, Louisiana, Abilene Christian, SMU were postponed. Uh, finally got got things going a couple weeks ago uh, and have had a very nice start to the season, as expected. No losses so far, and I think you've only given up one point, which is incredibly impressive. I mean, how does, how, how does it feel just to be able to get the season going after that delay? You know, we were we were very fortunate not to to have no one out all of last season, um, and so we felt like, oh, we're making good decisions. The guys were sacrificing for their training, for their you know, for their competition. They did a great job, and and I it just as it kind of started to unfold at the beginning of January, it seemed like, well, I guess it's our turn. Uh, fortunately, a lot of the cases were asymptomatic, very mild symptoms. You know, everybody was safe, healthy. We we made all the you know prices we needed to make from a training perspective just to to keep the guys healthy and and to mitigate the spread um and but honestly just to get back out there and start training as a team we kind of missed the preseason we missed the opportunity to build together uh so we're just now starting to do that i think being able to travel travel to nebraska as a team helped us a ton just to get closer to kind of shake off the cobwebs to, to get our fitness back um, and so we're really starting to hit the ground running now and um, build some momentum. So it feels good. Um, you know, it was a tough start, but I think it was a good learning experience for the guys and um, certainly get, got them refocused on the task at hand. You know, we talked about how, how difficult the Big 12 is. What's kind of your philosophy as far as non-conference scheduling? I mean, do you, do you try and balance that out or do you really focus on challenging the, the guys from the get-go leading into Big 12 play? I think you want to build some confidence, you know, give, give enough different guys. And we have a deep team, some, some shots and looks, uh, you know, 
unfortunately in our sport, you can't give the guys a little bit of playing time. You know, you can't give them five, 10, 15 minutes, like in basketball or uh, give them a few plays in football. I mean, you're in or you're out in tennis. So, um, you know, that's tough, but I think we need to make sure that we're getting a good look at everyone and, and see what they can offer. Um, and, and where they're at from a competitive standpoint. But, you know, for us, I mean, these guys choose Baylor to play the best, you know, schedule in the country to really challenge, um, you know, themselves and to, to get better. We want to be the natural stepping stone from junior tennis to professional tennis. Um, so we, we really do try to schedule the best that we can and, and the flexibility the Big 12 has only having six conference schools is that we can go out and, and fill up our schedule with with 10, 15 of the top programs in the country uh, in addition to, to who we have in our conference. So that's really nice. And, and that's the goal, uh, playing the best schools in the Big Ten, the best schools in the Pac-12, you know, the top programs in the ACC, SEC. It, it, it's a luxury that we have as part of the Big 12. We want to make sure to take advantage of it. So we, we try to, to balance a little building some confidence early with just, you know, give us give us everything that, you know, the best teams can, can give us. And hopefully that will prepare us for – for a stretch run in April and May. It's awesome. Uh, okay. I have to ask, I mean, obviously your answer is Baylor, but setting Baylor aside, uh, which, which big 12 venue do you think from a tennis standpoint is, is the most difficult to play at? I would say it's Texas tech for sure. Um, you know, I, I think Waco is a, a tough place to play. I, I think our, our fans are fantastic and they do an awesome job and, you know, our, our guys love it, but Texas tech is a tough place. The, the fans are, you know, really difficult, uh, very into it. They do a great job cheering for their home team, uh, have a lot of fun with it. It's fun to play there, but that coupled with the, the altitude and just the difficulty controlling the ball. Um, and obviously Texas Tech's used to it. The, so it, it is definitely a home court advantage um, and a, a place that we like to go play for the challenge, but it's always hard to, to come out there with a victory. Looking at your non-conference schedule, and, and I know you guys take it, match by match, game by game. And I'm not looking to give anybody any bulletin board material, but are there some teams that the, that the team is, is as excited to kind of play that sees on the schedule and goes, this is going to be fun. You know, we haven't played Virginia in a while. Um, we haven't played Virginia since I've been here. Um, so I, I think that, and they're very, very good this year. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're excited to get them here at Waco in a couple of weeks. I mean, there's the obvious ones, you know, any, Buddy in the Big 12, particularly Texas, TCU, Oklahoma, those are always fun matches. Um, to get them home and away is is awesome. You know, I've really enjoyed working with those coaches to be able to provide these opportunities for our student athletes. And, um, you know, those are the ones that stick out. I think, I mean, we, we're going to be on the road for six weeks straight coming from the middle of February on. And all of those tests, I think, are you have to have an experienced team to be able to handle that. Uh, I know it's going to be hard on our guys, but they're really excited about that challenge. Uh, some of the you know top 10, top 15 teams in the country, we're going to go see all of them between middle of February to the beginning of April. So, um, you know, I think that's exciting. I think it'd be tough, but uh, we're, we're certainly looking forward to it. I think we're going to learn a lot about who we are as a program uh, through that stretch. So if you're a Baylor men's tennis fan, uh, the Virginia match is on Saturday, February 12th. So if you are looking for kind of a Valentine's Day weekend, something to do, I mean, two o'clock in Waco, there you go. What, who doesn't want to go watch some tennis on Valentine's weekend? It seems very romantic to me. I think it sounds like fun. For sure. No doubt about it. <laughs> uh, okay. Coach Woodson, I really appreciate it. I'm going to get you out on this real quick. Um, obviously, Oklahoma and Texas at some point are going to be leaving the Big 12, heading to the SEC. Uh, two programs, uh, Two of the programs coming in, BYU and UCF, uh, have men's tennis programs. So the Big 12 will remain at six for now. Uh, I know UCF is, you know, as we mentioned, top 25 right now. They were a team that did pretty well in the NCAA tournament this past season. How how familiar are you with UCF and BYU, and and what do you think they'll be able to bring to the Big 12 once once they get here? Yeah, we're really excited about that. And honestly, I think you know from from our perspective with within the Big 12 and and where we are both as a program um, level wise and within our region. It, it's not going to be that big of a difference for us. Um, you know, we, we will probably, I mean, we're still playing Texas, Oklahoma. I think we'll continue to play them out of conference. That's really exciting for us. We'll get to add a couple teams that we don't play typically every year. So uh, I think that's exciting uh, from a schedule perspective. 
you know, John at UCF, I mean, he was at Oklahoma before when they had those three straight national championship runs. He's done a great job at Central Florida elevating that program to national relevance and I think is going to continue to do so. We know them very well and, and look forward to playing them annually. And, um, you know, and BYU just entering, I mean, they've always had a strong program, you know, uh, but I think entering the Big 12 is and, and Power 5 um, status is going to change that program, I think, and take it even up to another level. You know, while I think we're going to lose two, two blue bloods, um, I think we're going to remain the top, you know, conference in the country, which I think almost every sport can say. And that's, that's a very positive thing, uh, for us. And, uh, you know, both as a tennis program and as a conference and the university coach Woodson, again, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, if if you have something to plug, I mean, other than Baylor tennis, I mean, I, normally I say, how, where can everybody follow the work you do? But obviously, I would say head down to Waco and and catch a match. Yes, I mean, definitely. You know, tennis is is I think one of the most exciting sports to watch live. Um, it's you know, there's so much action with the no ad scoring, deciding points. There, there's always something going on, and and we we have to build it. It's legitimately one fan at a time because you think, oh. Pr- tennis it's professional tennis it's a it's a you know silent clap everybody's wearing white everyone's quiet uh, and it's just not like that it's it's more like the college basketball game but without the stoppages uh there's always something going on there's always a match that's you know at a really exciting point and you know the fans can really make a huge difference in those matches uh, no matter where you go you know it, it, you can have you know 10 screaming fans and it can make make bigger difference in a full arena and basketball just because of, uh, you know, w- what you're doing and, and the individualized nature of the sport. And so I think it's a lot of fun and, uh, certainly something I would recommend uh, trying out, you know, going to the, to the closest school and checking out a live tennis match. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. And these are the best athletes in the world, uh, in, in tennis and they come from, from all, all areas. And we have nine different countries represented within our I think that's really special. So uh, definitely would check it out. It's, it's a, can be a once in a lifetime experience. And, you know, I think if, if I'm going to hit a plug, that's not Baylor tennis, I'll, I'll give a plug to Richmond baseball. I know you don't cover them here, but uh, that's my dad's team and uh, he's the head coach there and, and we love it. And so, uh, you know, definitely a big fan of the spiders as well. So if you're looking for a little bit of baseball, it's not big 12, the spiders are the way to go. That's awesome. Did not know that. That's a cool little nugget. Yeah. Um, yes, and I will agree with you. College, if you watching Wimbledon, all that is great. College tennis, if you can just go to one match. I've been to a, an OSU women's match before, and it is awesome. It is so you just you don't know what you're in for until you get there and you sit down <laughs> and you watch. It is a lot of fun. I it really, it's one of those things that you can you, you can't really understand until you've gone and see it because it's just not what it looks like on TV when you watch a Wimbledon or or an Open or anything like that. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's hard to describe in words. Just go check it out. Give it a shot. It's like watching hockey live when you're on the glass. I mean, you, you can watch it on TV all you want, but when you get there right on the ice, there's just nothing like it. So give it a shot. It's definitely worth your while. Coach Woodson, again, thank you so much. Good luck to your guys. Good luck to your team uh, this season. And uh, hope to talk to you again soon, sir. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate everything you do for, for our uh, conference and our sport. Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to listen to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs, and really low lows, and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and as as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. All right, so I like to try and find unique, different, and interesting interviews that we can do about the Big 12. Um, And I'm very excited today to have definitely one of the more unique ones we have been able to have here on the Tento Podcast and let me just say, if, if you've ever been excited about a tweet or Facebook post or some piece of social media content that has come out about your team from the Big 12's official uh, social media account, then this is the girl that you should say thank you to. Very excited to have Sarah Stanley, who runs social media for the Big 12 Conference, joining us today. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. 
Uh, I'm going to, okay, so let's just kind of introduce you to everybody a little bit here, just off the top. Um, you are actually a Syracuse grad. So I'm, I'm really curious how someone from the big 10 area or ACC area. Yeah, that's right. Syracuse is ACC still <laughs> at this point with realignment, who knows who's where, um, ends up down here in the, in the, the South or Midwest or however much we like to describe this conference in the big 12. Yeah. So I am originally from New York and I went to Syracuse and I studied sport management there. And when I was there, I worked in the SID office, mainly with women's basketball, but I kind of worked in every sport. Um, and I really feel like that's what I wanted to do, but I really wanted to work in women's basketball. I loved just promoting the sport itself. And there was an opportunity at Tarleton State in Stephenville, Texas, um, where as a GA, I could work with women's basketball, which was very rare. I mean, I saw a couple opportunities for GA positions. They're pretty nationwide, but to work with women's basketball at, you know, an entry level job is awesome. So I did that for a year and then that ended with the pandemic, but it was a great experience. I love traveling with the team and doing their social media, doing their media relations. And that was great. Um, and then pandemic happened and I kind of just got the first job I could. <laughs> um, I was doing marketing for a law firm and um, here in Dallas. And then a job opened up this past summer at the Big 12 and um, I applied to it and it, it all worked out. But um, my sister actually went to Baylor. So moving to Texas wasn't too much of a um, jump. I obviously visited her a lot when she was at Baylor and she lived in Waco a couple of years after that. Um, so that was part of the reason why I, I was wanted to move down here and why it was a great opportunity. But um, it still was a little scary, especially Stephenville. It's such a small town and I'm used to a city. But um, all great experiences around and now I'm here and I've been here since August. Yeah, so you started in August. Um, first day on the job, probably some first day jitters. And then I just want you everyone to understand what your second day running social for the Big 12 was like. Yeah, so um, I got the call at the end of July saying that I got the job. And then the next day I go on Twitter and <laughs> there's an article about Oklahoma and Texas. And I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, no, but it, it was definitely a lot of, for the first, I had like my two weeks with my final job before I moved into this role. So it was kind of an interesting two weeks. I didn't want to reach out to the big 12 and ask because I was an official employee, but they reached out to me and they always kept me in the loop about everything and told me not to worry. And um, when I started, it was very much, you know, we're not really doing much on social about it, just, you know, press releases when needed. Um, but, you know, our regular posting and by mid-August, you know, you start getting into soccer and it was a lot because, you know, whenever I would tweet about soccer or volleyball, this was way before football started, people always commented about Texas and Oklahoma. And even if the tweet wasn't about it, and I, I definitely struggled at first, cause I was like, I don't how do I get rid of this negativity? What, how do I balance this? And honestly, there's not much you can do. And I've learned that with the job. And um, yeah, so it was definitely an interesting time to start um, working here, but it works out in the end. I mean, I, okay. So I've, I've said this on the show before I work in marketing is my uh, full-time day job. Um, and I know there's a, the, the difference between like how, we as a podcast are allowed to use social media and hey, you as an official representative of the Big 12 conference are allowed to use social media. So how do you guys balance that trying to be a positive pro Big 12 and, and have some semblance of engaging personality versus staying out of, you know, kind of dangerous waters for you guys? Yeah, and that's that's really what I was trying to get across with the last question was it was just kind of like, do I post about Texas, Oklahoma? Like to be completely honest and transparent, that was a real question that I asked. I've never been told not to engage with them or anything like that. That's never been a conversation, but my being me, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what to do. Um, so it kind of was just trying to get through that first couple months of it. And I think after a while, people just got used to the fact that we're not going to stop posting and celebrating these student athletes. And that's what it's all about for me. It, it, I'm not, I'm not involved in any of that stuff. I'm, I'm here to promote the student athletes and I'm not going to not talk about the number one team, Texas volleyball, because in a couple of years, they're not going to be in the conference anymore. That's just silly and unprofessional. 
Um, so that's just kind of how I did it. But a big thing that I've always been told is our tone of voice is very professional, but we want to be engaging and very celebratory. Um, I definitely sometimes wish I could show a little bit more emotion, just like our team accounts do. They're always not like negative, but just a little bit more exciting. But we are a professional account where you don't see really the PAC-12 or the SEC do that either. Um, so it is a balance of being this institution, but also wanting to be really exciting and engaging with our schools. So I try to balance that with engaging more with their content and sharing more of their content than necessarily things that are coming from us. But it's definitely a balance that I'm working with today. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing to deal with because as you mentioned, schools are showing more personality and and kind of snark and sarcasm and, and being clever. And um, I, Baylor just put out a, a video the other day utilizing, um, oh, I just forgot the little Nickelodeon cartoon character's name and clips from it and swipe or don't swipey for a basketball clip. And like, you're starting to see more personality from the school's official accounts because that's what that's what fans want. And that's how you generate engagement because it's all about engagement. Um, that, yeah. That's all that matters. How much can you get people to care about the content that you're putting out? So obviously it's a very tricky line for you to balance. What have you found has been the best kind of content that you guys are able to put out that, that generates the most engagement? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it depends on the sport. With football, um, you know, they only play once a week, so you kind of have to drag those storylines out for the entire week. Um, so I really focused on more of like the brag tweets, you know, looking at the conference itself, what kind of stats do we have? What do we rank compared to other conferences? Um, which is a big thing that, you know, a lot of times I would post something and people say, oh, well, I didn't know that. Um, so that's really important. And then also posting about when the postseason starts to come closer, posting about bowl games and the college football rankings every week, that was always a big conversation that would continue on to Saturday. But it's just finding content in the middle of the week that gets people excited since there's only one game day um, during the week. But with basketball, I have learned, because I try to take that approach with basketball. And I, I, I mean, people care about net rankings and they want to see how many teams are ranked every week versus other conferences, but people just want to talk about the games. So I've learned with basketball, all I need to do is post the final scores and that's plenty of content. And that's, we're getting all of our engagement from that. And I've noticed that a lot of the other, other conferences, they don't post game by game in conference play. So that is something that's a little bit more unique about the big 12 is you can come to the big 12's Instagram and see, we have every final score and you can join the conversation and people they talk about it for days. So um, that's really what I've been focusing on with basketball. And I, I'm not a big baseball softball person, so it'll be a little bit of a learning curve when those start. Um, but I assume it would be more like football and really promoting stats and the conference itself. Since there's so many games, you can't really post game by game with those. Yeah, no, uh, you know, nine three-game series across a weekend. It's, it's a lot It's a lot of things to try and touch on uh, individually. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, social media teams at the schools have been getting bigger and bigger. It's becoming more and more important to put out quality content, quality videos, show off your players, great photography. Um, it's, it is such a huge thing just from promotion of your school to help in recruiting. Uh, I think it's uh, not School Kenny, School Sparks is an account that kind of tracks mm -hmm. um, social media engagement and how, which accounts are doing better sport by sport uh, on, on Twitter, especially, which is, I think is awesome. I love looking at those numbers. Again, stats nerd. Uh, what's the team like there for the Big 12? Like uh, if you wanted to compare it to like a school in the Big 12, do you guys have a pretty sizable unit or are you kind of more of a one-man band? Yeah, anything you see on social media is me. <laughs> um, we have our media relations team who is great and they make all of our press releases and they organize player of the weeks and they do their weekly notes. So I get a lot of information from that, but the day-to-day -day graphics that you see on there, um, the plans for our championships, those are all me. So, I mean, we have our bigger things like Champions for Life and Black History Month that's coming up and then we'll have something in the works for the title nine 50th anniversary, which is in June. Um, so we'll start getting information out about that, but we do have a PR firm that helps with more of those bigger projects, but the day-to-day -day stuff is on me. <laughs> so I know you, you like basketball the most. Um, as yes. you mentioned. What sport have you found you enjoy posting about the most? Probably volleyball. Volleyball was so fun in the postseason, especially since Kansas made that sweet, sweet 16 run, people were so, 
amped up about it. And I, it surprised me because I, we weren't getting too much traction um, during the regular season, but then postseason hit and it was like, everyone was invested on our timeline. So I was really excited to see that. And I got really into it. Um, but I would, yeah, volleyball would probably be the biggest one. I'm excited for baseball and softball though. We started posting the preseason polls and teams the last couple of weeks and people are starting to get really engaged with that. So I'm looking forward to that, but it's all fun. I, I enjoy all of it. I, I, that's what I like about college versus professional is that you get to watch all of these sports. It's not the same thing every single night. If you wanted to watch basketball one night and then you want to tune into track the next day, you can do that. Um, but that's what I really like about college sports is there's never a day that's the same. So from a social standpoint, you know, the, everything should be goal oriented. That's the way mm-hmm. we typically work. There's a, there's a purpose for the, for posting. And obviously the promotion of the big 12 conference is a big thing. And most of the engagement is going to come from big 12 fans. But I mean, what, what would you view as maybe some of the other goals that, that the conference has that you have from a social standpoint, whether, and if that differentiates across platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like what, what are the, what is the goal for you guys? What do you hope to achieve? Yeah. So we, obviously we, you know, every month I, show my boss our numbers compared to the other power five conferences and that's a big thing seeing where not only our total interaction total interactions is very important but you know there are other conferences that have more followers than us and they're going to have um higher total interactions but engagement rates are important which is the total interactions divided by the number of followers so seeing how many people are really engaging with your content that follow you so seeing that that's continuing to be steady or continuing to increase month to month is really important to us but also you know we have these new four schools that are coming in and i try to every now and then engage with them obviously we have you know the 10 that we have now and want to prioritize them but every now and then I like to go on UCF or Houston or whoever and engage with their content and see what they're up to and support them and with that we have a lot of BYU fans and we have a lot of Cincinnati fans that still comment on our stuff even though it's been so long since September and the original announcement but they still are engaged with the conference so um you know helping grow that audience so that when they come in they're already familiar with the Big 12 and how we operate um, but yeah, it, it, you know, when we have our championships, it's going to depend on how well are we going to compare our championship numbers to last championships? Are we comparing, you know, our basketball numbers to our football numbers? So it just depends on what exactly the event is or um, what what the goal is with each post. But I would say in general, it is engagement rates and um, also growing those audiences of our new schools right now. I, I want you to kind of talk a little bit more about that because that, that's a question I had. You know, the, obviously, you're right. Like, we have had some some good engagement from, from Cincinnati fans, I think, of the schools the most. Uh, a little bit of BYU. Uh, some, we've got a Houston podcast as part of the networks. Of course, we've had some some engagement from them as well. Like, what is the conversation about how do you – are you looking at maybe growing that over time as you get closer to their arrival? Is this just a we'll just kind of deal with it when they get here? What's kind of the philosophy as to how you're handling them and until the date they all arrive, whenever that may be? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is something – we've had very lengthy conversations about, especially during, you know, postseason bowl games was a, we had a really long conversation about, are we going to engage with them in their bowl games? Are we going to promote their bowl games? Are we going to do original posts from our platforms about their bowl games? Um, We ultimately decided to just engage um, with like the final score, but it is something as we get closer that we're going to up a little bit more. Um, I've, I've talked to, I think all four social media teams at this point, and I, a couple of them I'm in consistent communication with, and they're really excited about it. And they have all these great ideas on what they're doing at the individual schools. And I'm just like, Hey, we're here to amplify whatever it is. And that's the whole philosophy with the big 12 numbers are important to us, but we really want to engage with our schools. We're there to support them. Um, which is going back to earlier when I was talking about, I really share a lot of their content because I mean, that's what our fans want to see. They want to see, you know, Baylor's hype video. They want to see Oklahoma State's photo shoot. They want to see those things that they don't necessarily care to see from the Big 12, but we want to help amplify that. So I think as time goes on, we're going to start doing that a little bit more. But um, I know that, especially at UCF, they're doing a lot of um, like donations involved with the Big 12. And I think as that grows, we'll start engaging with that as well. But like a donation social media campaign, 
Um, but just helping promote whatever they promote about joining the Big 12. I mean, the UCF also just changed their logo or made a secondary logo, and that was kind of involved with um, moving to the Big 12. So it's just little things like that that we keep an eye on. And as time goes on, it will be amplified for sure. How much interaction do you have with the, smoke, the social teams of each school? And how much do you kind of lean on them for helping in getting, you know, especially with video and photo content? Yeah, for me personally, day to day, it's not much. I mean, our media services team talks to them, you know, every single day. But for me on the social side, a lot of it is, you know, if I get tagged in something, I know that they want me to engage with it. It's not necessarily that there needs to be an email about it. Um, But when it comes to our championships and, you know, we have the SEC challenge on Saturday for men's basketball. So I'll be communicating with them later in the week about Um, you know, graphics that we'll put out and if any content they want to put out that they want us to collaborate on or share. Um, But it's mostly around bigger events and not necessarily day-to-day, but the day-to-day is more just through social media and not really like official conversations. Uh, You guys have kind of started a partnership with with Her Hoop Stats, which does Mm -hmm. a fantastic job promoting women's basketball, women's college basketball especially. Uh, What has that relationship been like? What kind of, you know, how has that really helped you guys out? Yeah, so when I was working at the law firm during um, the pandemic, well, we're still in the pandemic, but the first year of the pandemic, um, I still wanted to be really involved in women's basketball. So I actually was a freelance writer, one for Syracuse blog on SB Nation, and then also for The Next, which is they cover women's basketball on all different levels. Um, So I used her hoops that a lot. And so when I started this job, it really was important to me that I connect back with all those women's basketball um, media outlets or stat companies that I used when I was writing because I'm so familiar with them now and I know how valuable they can be to the conference. Um, but actually, they reached out to us and I, I think I just tagged them in something that I wanted. That I tag sometimes I tag some women's basketball outlets because I want them to write about it, <laughs> write about whatever the post is. But they messaged me and said thanks for tagging us. We'd love to have a longer conversation about how we could collaborate, and we did. And Aaron's really great, and they've sent us really great stats and things that, you know, you can't really look up on ESPN or see when you look at a box score. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that partnership and anybody who is a women's basketball fan. I mean, you got to get on her hoop stats because it's amazing the amount of information they have on their website. Yeah. I'm, I, the site's fantastic. Um, I am more aware of it because of you guys. So props to you for helping oh, to foster great. that relationship because I mean, we literally did a podcast with, with Jamie just last week about there's just not a lot of, uh, readily available resources for, for women's basketball stats, you know, on the men's side, yeah. you, you have Ken Palm, you have, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but there's just not a lot of that for the women's side, which is disappointing. I, mean, I think there's a need and a desire for it. It's just not really available. So to find that place, I, I love their, their motion graphic. They made, uh, comparing, uh, Aoka Lita, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Story yeah. in that game, which was absolutely just fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, so what is what's your favorite platform to actually actually post on? Uh, for me, probably Twitter, just because it's so you can post as many times as you want on there. You don't really have to worry about timing. Um, people are always engaged with it, but sometimes Instagram and Facebook's algorithm can be really tricky, which makes sense because they're under the same company. But Twitter, I, I really have never had an issue with. Um, are posting sometimes, you know, on Instagram, I'll make the same post, the same, a different following week. It's the same information. It's posted at the same time. And it, for whatever reason, won't do as well as it did the pre- previous week. And I have never had that issue with Twitter. So sometimes it's the algorithm on Instagram and Facebook that really make me less excited when I'm posting on those platforms. But Twitter, I mean, there's just so much information. And I, I really value like this conversation right now and working with media um, and companies like her who that's it's not a book that you have that so um twitter's just great i love twitter personally too so that's the flat platform i use the most so it, that's why i enjoy posting the most on there uh any any push for a, a big 12 tiktok are you gonna get some oh, videos going we have had so many conversations about it but we just don't know like as a conference, how do you approach that? Cause we don't have a network, you know, that we're getting highlights from all the time and different unique interviews that we um, can access. But 
like what we don't we, we just haven't decided what people really want to see and we've looked at our schools TikToks and see what they've done but you know they have student they have access to their student athletes all the time and we don't have that here and it's like do we only post during championships is the account going to die when we don't have championships going on so it has been a lengthy conversation for sure and multiple conversations about it but we just haven't figured out how to approach the platform yet but it's definitely been on our minds so so that is interesting i mean how much access to content are you able to get from the schools and from ESPN? You know, the Big 12 has their relationship with Fox and ESPN and ESPN Plus. How much how much access do you actually have to the video and photo and the kind of content that they're creating for, for you guys to use? Yeah, I mean, we can always ask the schools for whatever content it is, especially when it comes to photo. We have so much access to photo. Um, when it comes to video, I much rather share it than repost it ourselves unless it's something big like um, highlights or a certain highlight of you know Taylor Robertson she passed the three-point record that's a highlight that I'm going to use um, we are working on our relationship with ESPN for social media that's actually an email we had earlier this morning but just how to use some of their tools that they have interviews or you know little segments they do during halftime of a women's basketball game is that something we can repost on social media so those have been conversations um but i definitely hope you know with i mean i really am focused on women's basketball when it comes to that men's basketball it's really easy because no matter what you post about men's basketball people are going to get excited about it women's basketball you have to kind of give a little bit more um, to get people engaged which is unfortunate but that's just the reality of it um, so we are working with ESPN on that and trying to get that access that they have and the rights to post that on social media. Sarah, this has been great. I really appreciate your time today. Um, I, you know, I work in marketing, so it's it's a lot of fun to talk about this kind of stuff. I want to I want to get you out of here on this. Uh, obviously, as a Syracuse fan, you're not beholden to any team, and I wouldn't dare ask you if you have a favorite team to pick twelve. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Can't bias. But I am curious. Um, since you have arrived in the conference. You know, I don't know how much your sister went to Baylor, so you and you are a sports fan, so obviously you know about the Big 12 Conference coming in. But what is the thing you found about this conference that maybe surprised you the most that you didn't know or didn't expect now that you've been here and, and, and been doing this for a few months? Honestly, like I went to Syracuse, so all I paid attention to was ACC basketball for, you know, multiple years. Um, and whenever I thought of my, like you said, my sister went to Baylor. So I kind of just looked at Baylor basketball. Baylor basketball is the big 12 king. And that's all I knew. Uh, obviously, Baylor basketball is really great. And they could win the big 12 on both sides. Um, but how strong it is on both sides. I think I truly believe that the big 12 is going to sweep the men's and women's national player of the year. I think we're, both sides are going to make long runs in the tournament. And I just like I didn't realize how strong the conference was in basketball. And I know that sounds silly because for a couple of years, it's been like that, but I'm just so used to ACC basketball that I kind of didn't really pay attention to the big 12. And now that I'm here, I'm like, yeah, we're the basketball conference. And it, I, I always get so excited when I see stats about whether it's our rankings or different stats that just show how top to bottom, we are a really, really strong conference and yeah. So you're here to hear. Uh, we have officially broken Sarah of her East Coast bias. So we're really <laughs> excited about that. Sarah, again, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I hope we can do this again. Um, yeah. Please do me a favor. Where can everybody check out all the fantastic work you do for the Big 12 Conference? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Sarah M. Stanley, but also follow the Big 12 on every platform at Big 12 Conference, um, especially Facebook and Instagram, because clearly I have algorithm problems on there. But um, all three, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, follow the Big 12. Sarah, again, thank you so much. I uh, look forward to continuing to see the great work you do and, uh, and talk to you again soon. Thank you for having me. Podcast Network.